Amen. You may be seated this morning, and we're glad that you chose to worship with us on Mother's Day. And as Dave had mentioned, uh, we have our kids in here, so great. Uh, you know, it's kind of a mixed deal, so mom, happy Mother's Day. You get to take care of your kid during church kind of thing. But also, uh, we want to, we, we kind of want you to understand that um, it's an awesome privilege to sit with your family in church. And sometimes I don't think we treasure that enough. Um, because the truth is, sometimes it is a lot easier to send them off to kids' church, right? And let them more learn in their own environment, and, and I get that. But uh, what a great privilege to sit with your kids in church, right? And uh, so we're glad. And also, kids, if those of you that are in here, uh, Allison has put together a kids' bulletin for you. And uh, parents, this is not for you to color on. It's for the kids. And also, kids, I want you to get that out if you have one. In the middle of your kids' bulletin, uh, Nathan has put together this little insert here. And uh, so at, towards the end, all right, so that means you've got to stay awake until the end. There are some fill-in-the-blanks here, all right? So yours is just like ours uh, with those same blanks, and so we want you to kind of try to follow along with us uh, this morning. I want to say thank you to all the men who uh, took time to cook and hopefully to clean and to serve and do all that. Could we give the men a hand this morning? Appreciate them. <clears throat> if you were uh, blessed enough to be here early and to eat breakfast, they did a great job serving and cooking and uh, when I pulled up about 8 o'clock this morning in the back, uh, the, the smell of bacon had already infiltrated out into the parking lot. And I'll be honest, I've been hungry ever since. And so uh, we may go quicker than usual. Um, everybody's okay with that, right? So I have already heard several times today that today I look like a preacher. <laughs> right? So, and, and I told them, I, I wear suit for two people, dead people and my mother, all right? So, happy Mother's Day, Mom. This is for you, all right? So, uh, anyways, we are going to continue our series, Ask. And so, we have been, this is our final week on our prayer series, the title of Ask, and we've Going with Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, where it says, Ask, seek, and knock. And so we're going to kind of finish that up today, and maybe in a little different format than what the previous three messages have been. We've been asking questions about asking God questions, all right? So we, first week, uh, we, we really tackled two questions. That was, who do we pray to? Okay, and so as we walk through Scripture, we realize we pray to God the Father, empowered by the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. And so that was, uh, you just got the 35-minute message in 30 seconds. And then the second question we ask, so we know who we pray to, but who gets to pray? Who gets to ask? Who gets to come to God the Father, empowered by the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus? And, and so there's an implication there when we say, as Jesus taught the disciples to pray, our Father who art in heaven, the implication is that you can call God your Father if you have come to God the Son and you have a relationship. You've been adopted into the family of God. And so those who get to pray are those who have given and surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. The kids quoted for us John 14, 6 this morning. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through 
me. And so if you've come to God through Jesus and been adopted into his family, you have the right to pray. All right, so who gets to pray? Who do we pray to? And then the second week we ask the question, why should we pray? And on that there was a lot of extra questions, and so I'll give you the simple uh, condensed version is really the main reason we should pray is because God asks us to. God wants us to pray to him. God wants to have communication uh, with us. And last week we looked at the Lord's Prayer and we answered the question, how do we pray? How do we pray? And so we, we talked about in the Lord's Prayer there, you'll say, he says, give us and forgive us and deliver us. So we're going to pray uh, for protection. We're going to pray for pardon. Okay, and we're going to pray for provision. Give and deliver and forgive, all right? And so today we're going to have like how part two, okay? But again, it's going to little be a different, a little bit format. So I want you to turn to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter number one, and we're going to look at a lady who was desperate, a lady who was desperate. Now, Dave alluded to this this morning, and, and the truth is for some of you this morning, Mother's Day and maybe every Mother's Day can be difficult. Different circumstances that would make Mother's Day for, for some of us really special and maybe for some of us in here kind of difficult. And so we understand that this morning. And, and this morning we're going to look at this prayer of a desperate woman in, in 1 Samuel chapter 1. But before we get there, I want to I share a few things with you this morning. Some responses from some kids, okay? Now these are, I, I need to preface this, this is not what I've said. This is not what kids that I know have said, okay? But I want you to listen, all right? So, the question was asked to mothers, to children. Why did God make mothers? And here's the responses, some of them. She's the only one who knows where the tape is. It was the best way to get more people. Mostly to clean the house. To help us get out when we were born. <laughs> Say there was more than help involved there. but So then the next question, how did, how did God make mothers? With dirt, just like the rest of us. I don't think that was supposed to be negative, but anyways. The next person answered, magic plus superpowers and a lot of stirring. <laughs> the same way he made us but he just used bigger parts. <laughs> what kind of girl was your mom? I don't know because I wasn't there, but I would guess she was pretty bossy. <laughs> I don't know, but they said she used to be nice. <laughs> These are not my answers, okay? What did your mom need to know about your dad before she married him? Is he a crook? Did he get drunk on beer? Does he make at least $800 a year? Does he say no to drugs and yes to chores? Why did your mom marry your dad? Because my dad makes the best spaghetti in the world and my mom eats a lot. She got too old to do anything else with him. 
Again, why did your mom marry your dad? My grandma says that my mom didn't have her thinking cap on. <laughs> yeah. What's the difference between moms and dads? Dads are taller and stronger, but moms have the real power. Again, this is not my response. I will not confirm or deny. What's the difference between moms and dads? Moms work at, at excuse me, moms work at work and at home. Dads just work at work. I'm kind of offended by that one. If you could change one thing about your mom, what would it be? I would make her smarter. Because then she would know it was my sister that did it. Anyways, 1 Samuel chapter 1. I'm going to paraphrase verse 1 for you because I don't want to read all those names and pretend like I know how to pronounce them. So verse 1 says there was a guy named Elkanah, all right? Verse 2, he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah and the other name of the other was Peniah. Peniah had children, but Hannah had no children, all right? So before we keep reading the story, we probably ought to pause here for a moment and explain some things, all right? So nowhere in Scripture... Nowhere are you going to find that God ordained or wanted or instituted for a man to have two wives. Okay, in every instance in Scripture that you read about it, having two wives just created problems. Okay, God's intent was for, was for one man. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that. God's intent was for one man to mar- marry to one woman for life. That was his plan. That still is his plan. Okay, no matter what the world teaches you, God's word, his plan, be married, husband and wife, for life. Okay, so we'll clarify that. Now. So verse 3, as we continue reading. This man went out from the city yearly to worship and sacrifice the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Peniah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. Okay, so here's some important information that we can quickly gloss over, is that the second wife here had multiple kids. Okay, so this is going to signify a few things for us, that there's been time that has elapsed, right? We're also going to understand that most likely the reason he had a second wife, what we're going to find out when we read here a little bit, is that Hannah could not have any children. So in that culture, if the wife could not give her husband children, then oftentimes the husband would get another wife so that he could have children. So there's obviously been a period of time that she, it's been determined she can't have kids. Now there's been another extended period of time because the second wife has had multiple children, all right? So just information you need to know. Verse 5, but to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. Verse 6, And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. All right, so you, you see the tension here. You see the, the, the problems that are arising. So one wife, Hannah, the first wife that Elkanah, it says here, loved, couldn't have children. He has another wife who has multiple children, and what's the word, interesting enough, that's described their relationship between these two ladies? A rival. Okay, and the one who has kids is mocking the one who cannot have kids. 
and you understand just in these two verses that, that Hannah was loved by the dad, or by the husband, excuse me, and so she has that over the other wife. The other wife has the kids, and she has that over her, and she just is back and forth, back and forth. Hurt. Both of them are hurt. Both of them are struggling. Verse 7. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and she did not eat. Hannah is grieving because she can't have kids. She can't give the one thing that she wants to give to her husband. And she's grieving. And year after year after year this continues. Verse 8, then Elkanah, her husband, said to Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Now, could we just take a quick lesson from this, men? Like, probably 99% of the time, when we ask the question, are you upset? You guys ever ask that question? Have you asked that question today? Okay, so maybe I'm not going to speak for you, but in, in my life, most of the time when I ask that question, I already know the answer. And most of the time, it's my fault. Can I get an amen? You guys are speaking for yourself now, not me, right? Why, why, are, you, why are you grieved? He knows why she's upset. Right? He knows. Verse 9. So Hannah rose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. And now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat of the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And again, look at the descriptive words that we get of Hannah in verse number 10. She was in bitterness of soul. And prayed to the Lord and she wept in anguish. Verse 11, then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant, remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. And so she makes this promise, she makes this vow to God. God, if you would give me a son, I will give him back all the days of his life. Please give me a son. Verse 12, and it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli washed her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put away your wine from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. She said, Let your maidservant find favor in the sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Verse 19 Then they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord, and they returned and came home to their house. At Ramah, and Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Verse 20. 
So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him from the Lord. Amazing. She prays. God answers her prayer. And what does God give her? A son. Can you imagine the party she must have thrown? Can you imagine the excitement she must have had in the fact that all these years, and we don't know how many years it was, but year after year after year she's being mocked. Year after year after year she's praying, and year after year nothing happens. And finally, God answers her prayer. Look at verse 27. So she keeps her promise. She takes Samuel back to the temple, back to Eli, and she's giving her son that she had prayed for for years, back to Eli. Verse 27, she says, For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition when I asked of him. And she's talking to Eli. Eli, I'm the, guy, I'm the lady you thought was drunk. Remember, you thought I was drunk, and here I am. God, answer my prayer, and I'm keeping my promise. I'm bringing Samuel, and I'm giving him back, and, and you're, you're going to raise him, and he's going to be used of God in an amazing way. And she praises the Lord. But look at verse 28. Therefore I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshiped the Lord there. What a great story of God answering prayer. And I would say real quickly this morning, aren't you thankful this morning that God answers prayer? Aren't you thankful this morning that when we bring our petitions, God is listening to us? Think about that for a moment. At any moment, if you belong to God, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, at any moment, any circumstances, whatever you're facing, whatever the hurt, whatever the pain, whatever the grief, you have the ear of God Almighty. The creator who spoke the worlds into existence, who has all power, all wisdom, all knowledge, and he listens to you. Does that blow your mind at all? The God who created the universe, who spoke the worlds into existence. Scripture says he knows your name. He knows how many hairs are on your head. And he wants me to talk to him. I hope the reality of that, the truth of that, what Scripture teaches is that that would, would just leave you in awe to think this morning that the creator of the universe wants me to speak to him. And he's listening. And he hears my prayers. So let's walk through this outline this morning. And, and so kids, if you have this uh, little insert in your bulletin, this is time to grab it. Uh, the blanks are going to be filled in for you on the screen. You can write them in. And I think here's some, some really quick examples of how we should pattern our prayer, how we should pattern how Hannah prayed. The first one is this, is to pray persistently. It says there in verse 7 that she prayed. They went to the temple year after year, she persistently prayed. Now, every parent in here knows what persistent prayer is. Okay, now, we may term it a little different, but you remember when your kids, maybe some of them still are young? Mom, 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 dad, 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 dad. You guys ever heard that? Persistence. In most cases, who's more persistent, you or the kid? They usually went out, right? 
What do you want already, right? Turn to Luke chapter 11. Because Hannah was persistent in prayer, but is this the only example in Scripture? Is this the only way we see this lady year after year after year prayed, God, I want a child. God, I want a child. God, I want a child. God, I want a son. God, I want a son. And year after year after year. And we've been reading mostly in Matthew chapter 6 as we walk through the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6 and Matthew chapter 7. And Matthew 7 verse 7 is where we've kind of jumped off. Ask, seek, and knock. This idea of asking God or praying to God. But there's a parallel passage in Luke chapter 11. Last week we read Luke chapter 11 verse 1 when the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. And then the following verses there in in Luke chapter 11, Jesus, again, a parallel passage from Matthew chapter 6, gives the Lord's prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And you can read the rest of it there. But as he's, so remember, verse 1 tells, uh, tells us the disciples asked Jesus, we want to pray like you do. Teach us to pray. So he gives them this pattern of prayer that we went over last week, right? So we're going to pray for protection and provision and pardon. And we're going to pray the will of God. We're going to pursue the will of God. And we're going to practice the will of God. That's what we looked at last week. So in the context of Jesus teaching them how to pray, giving them the pattern to pray in the first few verses of Luke 11, look at Luke 11, verse 5. And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go unto him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. Anyone ever went over across the street, the the house next door, and asked to borrow something as you were trying to cook something? Anyone had to do that? Like, I need an egg. I need some milk. Anybody, raise your hand, because I don't think you're confessing the truth here, all right? So this is kind of what's taking place. How many have ever gone over at midnight to ask somebody for a loaf of bread? Anybody done that? Because I don't want you to be my neighbor if you are. And so kind of what's happened is a friend showed up at a friend's house at midnight, so that friend goes over to his friend and says, I don't have any food to feed my friend who showed up at midnight. Are you guys lost a little bit? Verse 6, For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, my children are in bed, and I cannot rise and give to you. That's the response I'm giving you if you show up at midnight, all right? If you show up at Tyler Martin's door at midnight, knocking on the door, you may receive a different response, and I won't go any farther, right? <laughs> so, so you track what's going on here? Guy walks across, knocks on the door at midnight. I need food. Some people showed up unexpectedly. And what's the response he gets from his friend? Shut up and leave me alone. I'm, I'm in bed, right? I'm sleeping. Oh, so how many of you, once you're in bed, everything's over, right? Okay. I learned when I was really young to pretend like I'm asleep when noises happen. So when the kids cried, I'd already been, I've already trained her for three years. He doesn't hear anything when he sleeps. I shouldn't be confessing this on Mother's Day, but I am. Leave me alone. It's midnight. I'm not getting up. I'm already in bed. That's the response the guy gives. Verse number 8. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is a friend, yet because of his persistence he will rise and give him as many as he needs. What is that saying? So it's my friend knocking at the door at midnight, but I'm in bed and I'm sleeping and I don't want to get up. 
He's bothering me. Go away. But what does the friend of the door continue to do? Knock. He's persistent. And then it says, now the guy finally gets out of bed and gives him the bread. But why does he give him the bread? It's not because he loves his friend. To make him go away, right? So every parent in the room knows what we're talking about, correct? So Jesus is teaching how to pray, and then he gives this illustration. The point being is, we should be what? Persistent in our prayer. Somebody texted in the question this week. I feel like I'm praying in God's will. I'm praying for God's will. I believe it's something God wants in my life. How long do I keep praying when he doesn't answer, or do I just surrender? God will give it to me in his timing. And, and to be honest, I don't know that there's a really good answer, but I know in Scripture, and, and here in these two instances, we're taught what? Persistently pray. If we're persistently praying the will of God, pursuing the will of God, and practicing the will of God, then God says, keep asking. Let's continue reading. Verse number 9. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. Does this sound familiar to you? So Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8, ask, seek, knock. Then it goes in verse 8 in, in pretty much exactly what it says here in verse number 9 of Luke chapter 11. Again, so he's taught them how to pray, the Lord's Prayer. He's told them to be persistent in prayer. And then he gives us a, another illustration of this in verse 9 by this ask, seek, and knock is a progression here. I'm going to ask. Now I'm going to seek. I'm going to take the next step. I'm going to seek God's will and what God wants from me. And then I'm going to knock. I'm going to continue to pursue. I'm going to ask. I'm going to seek. I'm going to knock. It's persistence. Year after year, Hannah prayed. Number two then. So we want to ask persistently. Number two is we want to ask passionately. To ask passionately. I think it's sad in this story that we read here in 1 Samuel. Did you catch it? So she's praying. She's pouring her ha- out her heart to God. We're using these words like she's bitter from the soul, wept in anguish. She wept. She did not eat. Her heart was grieved. She was sorrowful of spirit. She grieved, and she's praying. And she's pouring out her, her heart to God, passionately seeking God. God, I want to answer to this prayer. God, will you please? I'm, I'm practicing. I'm pursuing. I'm praying. God, I, I want a child. Remember we talked a few weeks ago about that we want to be desperate for God even though we're not in a desperate situation. Here in this, in this story, Hannah is in a desperate situation, didn't she? She's desperately, passionately crying out to God. And what I kind of feel is sad in the story is that the priest sees this woman. And the picture here is that, that she would be at the altar here. She's praying. She's grieving. She's pouring out her, her heart to God. And the prophet Eli, the priest here, what does he think is wrong with this woman? What did we read? That she's drunk. This is some crazy lady is what he was thinking. And I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but what, what, what I would read into it is that it's sad to me that the priest had not himself apparently experienced passionately praying for something for God to do. It would also seem to indicate that, that this priest had not observed anyone else passionately praying for God to do something in their life. 
And I would say that probably a lot of us in the room this morning, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, would say we ask God a lot of things, but to say we're passionate about what God is doing in our life and what we want him to do in our life, that would probably not be a descriptive word in our life. And I wonder if the same thing about Eli the prophet would be about us here in Hallmark Baptist Church. If someone was so passionately praying, we would be like, oh, that person's a little strange. She was desperate. In Acts chapter number 12, we see an example of this. In Acts chapter number 12, Peter had been arrested. James had just been killed by Herod. And in the, in the first part of that chapter, Acts chapter number 12, it says that it implies that Herod was also going to kill Peter, but he was waiting till Passover was over. So Peter's in jail waiting to have the same fate that James was because when, when Herod killed James, all the Jewish people loved it, the religious people, and so he was going to, well, I'm going to do it again. And so Peter is stuck in jail. But what is the church doing as Peter is in jail? Acts chapter 12, verse number 5. This is what it says. As Peter was in jail, awaiting to be put to death, it says Peter was therefore kept in prison. But the New King James translates this word, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Probably a more accurate translation of that word would be earnest. Constant, earnest. James May would be translate that fervent, passionate prayer. They passionately prayed. They earnestly prayed. And what happened? The angel of the Lord came to the jail and released Peter. And it blew their minds so much that as Peter showed up at the door, the lady comes to the door and is like, uh, he says, it's Peter, and she's like, it's Peter. And they're like, no, it can't be Peter. He's in jail. They passionately prayed. And I wonder, in my life, how passionate really am I? Steve Gaines says this, God uh, punished Herod Agrippa, vindicated James, and rescued Peter, all because God's people prayed fervently. That is the power of fervent prayer. Greg Laurie says this, much of our, of our prayer has no power in it because there is no heart in it. If we put so little heart in prayer, then how can we expect God to put much heart into answering? We need to truly pray. She prayed persistently, passionately. Number three, she prayed believing. She prayed in faith. In verse number 17, as she prayed and she, re, she tells Eli, I, I wasn't drunk. I was crying out to God. I was pouring my heart to God. And Eli answered to her in verse 17, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant you a petition which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find in favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. She persistently, passionately prayed, believing that God would answer when she got confirmation from Eli the priest, what did she do? Her countenance changed, didn't it? It went from someone who was sad to someone who was filled with faith. God is going to answer my prayer. 
She went and ate, and she was no longer sad. She prayed believing. James 1, 5 through 6 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. It will be given to him. Then in verse 6 of James chapter 1, But let him ask in faith. With not, without doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Matthew 21, 22, whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive faith. Here's a woman that prayed persistently, passionately, and in faith, believing. Now let's look at number four real quick, and we'll be done this morning. All right, so I need your help this morning, all right? So all of our moms in here, um, I, I need you to, to, you see number four there, you see what it says, okay, the part that's typed out for you, what do you say, okay? So I want, on the count of three, could I get all you ladies in here to ask that question, what do you say? Are you guys tracking with me? Shake your head. Yeah, are we good? All right, so here we go. Ladies, on the count of three, you're going to say, what do you say? One, two, three. What's the answer to that? All right, so now you can fill in the blank, all right? Thank you. Just the other day, um, I told some, I can't remember what I told this little kid, and immediately, they, they actually already said thank you. But usually, you know, you're kind of kneeled down to a kid, and you try to talk to them, and they say thank you really quietly, and mom and dad don't hear it, and they're like, hit them, say thank you. I'm like, he already did, and I smacked them. No. <laughs> Just kidding. So here's a lady who prayed for years, persistently, passionately, believing in faith that God was going to answer her request. She, she gets the answer, yes. She gets the son that she's always wanted, and she keeps her promise, and she takes the son to, to Eli, and name him Samuel, because I've asked of him from God. And what is her response in, in, in chapter number 2? Look in chapter number 2. We won't take time to read. But in verses 1 through 10, we get this song or this poem of Hannah. Verse 1 says, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile on my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. And she goes on to praise the Lord for answered prayer. What an example for us to pray passionately, persistently in faith. And when God answers our prayer, what should our response be? What do you say? Thank you. Are you thankful for answered prayer in your life? Let me ask that again. Are you thankful for answered prayer in your life? Can I point something out in this verse that I'm not sure? I, I intentionally did not read a commentary on this because I want to give you my opinion. Is that, are you okay with that? So I'm not saying it's accurate. Are you guys following me? Verse 1, chapter 2. Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. The next phrase I smile at my enemies. Who do you think she might be referencing? <laughs> the truth is, Scripture teaches us that when we pursue God, 
He will make even our enemies our friends. All throughout Scripture, we're told to what? Bless those who curse you. Are you thankful for God in your life this morning? The truth is, everyone in this room, you have a lot to be thankful for, don't you? I don't think anybody's. I don't think anybody in the room this morning has a perfect life. Do you have anybody have a perfect life? We all have problems. We all have issues. We all have problems. We all just like Hannah have different issues. Maybe we grieve. We sorrow. We hurt year after year, year after year. God, why will you not answer this prayer? And I'm going to be completely honest with you this morning that this very prayer that Hannah prayed, you and I both know people who've prayed the same prayer. It didn't get the same response. And what we have to understand is that no matter if we get the answers from God that we're after, that we're asking, seeking, and knocking for, whether he answers like we want it, we have to rest in the truth of Scripture that God is good and that God knows best. And that's not always easy, is it? Because the reality is sometimes life, you know, just stinks. It hurts. But what I've experienced and what everyone that I know in this room has experienced is even when life hurts, God is still good in me. And we all have something to be thankful for. As we come to God in prayer, let's pray persistently, passionately, believing. As we talked about last week, let's pray in the will of God. Let's pursue God's will in our life. And let's practice his will. And when he responds, what do you say? Thank you. Would you pray with me this morning? God, this morning we come to, to you, and Lord, maybe the, in the room this morning there's people just like Hannah, maybe different circumstances, but they're hurting. Their heart is heavy this morning. And God, I ask that in your power and in your grace and in your mercy, that you would just extend mercy and grace to them. Encourage them right now in this moment, in this hour, that you are hearing their prayers, that you love them, and Lord, that you are doing what's best for them and for your glory. Lord, help us to accept your will in our life. But Lord, help us to passionately pursue you, to persistently pursue you, and in faith, practice your will in our life. And may we ever be grateful to say thank you. As we're in a spirit of prayer and our eyes are still closed this morning, would ask real quickly this morning. I, I kind of glanced over this real quick this morning, but I believe that, that God could, could have spoke to you about this today. We started out this morning by asking this question in review. Who can pray to God? And I said, it's those who've come to God through Jesus Christ. In other words, you've surrendered your life, your hope for eternal life, your hope for forgiveness of sins and eternal life. You've given that, you've placed that in the hands of Jesus. And you've acknowledged, I cannot be good enough. I can't do enough. Jesus, I'm coming to you. I surrender my life to you. I repent. I want your salvation. And so maybe this morning, someone in here, 
that spoke directly into your life and God is saying that's you. You've never done that. Why not do that today? I would ask real quick this morning, who would say, John, that's me. Just raise your hand for a moment. John, that's me. God has spoke to me this morning and I know that I need to give my life to Jesus. Would you put your hand up for a moment this morning? Our eyes are closed. Keep it up for a moment. I'm going to look around just so I can pray for you. I'm not going to call you out. Anyone like that this morning? Who would say this morning, John, I need to be more persistent. I need to be more passionate. And I need to have more faith in my prayer life. If that's you this morning, would you just put your hand up for a moment? just want to pray for you and with you as our hands go up all over the audience. A lot of us, me included. In a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song of, of worship. It's an opportunity for you to stand and worship there at your seat. It's an opportunity for you to come forward and pray. If you would like to pray with someone, we'll have people up here. If you would like for them to pray with you, I would just encourage you to walk up to them and shake their hand. They would glad, gladly pray with you. If you want to pray by yourself, then just come forward in a moment and just kneel at the altar. Spend some time with the Lord. God, we are blessed. God, I pray that this morning, for those of us who have been challenged in our own prayer life, Lord, that even this morning we would take the steps necessary to pursue you. Would you stand with me this morning in the spirit of prayer as we sing? And again, we're just going to worship. It's an opportunity to worship together this morning as we sing.